So if you speak in a in a, a different dialect or how you sound is not as comforting to the ears as as you would like sometimes. People say, yo, you can't speak like that or that's uncomfortable for me. It always comes back to make me comfortable so that I can accept you in this space. Not right appreciating the differences that exist in the world and being like, you know what? I don't understand. Like me, I don't understand why people. There's a lot of uh-huh. things that white people do that I'm like, what the fuck is that? But I can't go into that space like, yo, you're doing some really white shit right now. That's annoying. <laughs> That's honestly like. Hopefully you can say that to me sometime. <laughs> Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr. And I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. What's going on, Humanized family? It is us back again. It's been a while, you know, and we've been doing our thing. I'm handling some family business, and now we're back at work, uh, hopefully to bring the environment that will create change, facilitate the necessary um, space that will make it, I really don't care about comfortable, but inviting for many views to be had. But before you do that, please ask for permission like we always say, from the party or the person that you're trying to connect with to have those difficult conversations, you know, so that it can be respectful and you can honor the humanity of that person. So with all that being said, let's get to work, Emily. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I have to say, like, I feel a little rusty. This year, we are recording quite a bit less than last year just to make it all more economical and pace things. And so like, it just feels like last year we were seeing each other every week and now it's been a little while. So it's kind of funny, but it leaves more to be caught up about uh, or catch up on. So we are debriefing our episode with Imran Raymond today and I highly recommend his episode. I want to apologize for the sound quality of that episode. We just had some tricky acoustics we were working with talking to him in Vienna, but I hope everyone was able to listen to it because he has so much to say. He is a a coach and a co-founder of Kokoro, which is a really amazing app. I highly recommend it to businesses. It's focusing on the intersection of psychological safety, belonging, and flow from the team level. And he's seen some real transformation in the teams that he works with, but he's just a fascinating individual. So we're going to, we're going to dig into some topics that jumped out at us from that. But first, (laughs) Courtney knows what I'm going to ask him about. So, oh, one thing else that's a little bit funny that I wanted to name. So like Courtney and I really enjoy talking about current events, you know, like what is going on. And because we're recording less this year, we're, we're not really recording like right now, you know, we're recording about a month before the show will release. It's a little bit asynchronous. And there's something related to race, like a new thing related to race, like every day in the news. Like there's just, there's so much to talk about and explore. And 
Yeah, it's not like other podcasts where they can just like batch record one weekend and then have all of their episodes for the year because like that would actually be like pretty tone deaf on our part, you know, not to acknowledge something. So sometimes we're going to talk about things a little bit out of order of when it happens. So when we're recording right now is the day after the funeral for Queen Elizabeth. And Uh. so this is what I wanted to touch base (laughs) on. Courtney, as I told him before the show, he's like, why would you want to talk about the queen? (laughs) But here's my question. I mean, I I wanted to touch base with you about this because I've been I've been thinking so much about this queen who's been queen since what, the 20s or something? No. Yeah, the 20s. Yeah, (laughs) Maybe a little after that. She's not 120. I mean, she went straight through colonialism. You know, I feel like her life is such a reminder of how recently imperial countries felt like they could go in and just take over a country and rule that country. And yes, England let go of some of those countries, but it was still, you know, it was still colonizing a lot. It still is colonizing a lot of countries. And I I think, you know, we have this phrase post-colonial and it's, we're putting, you know, a funeral for a person who is a major colonizer. And <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I feel like she's a reminder that we need to really update our understanding of history and how recent and how still evolving colonialism is. <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching her funeral from that lens, or, but that's just what's on my mind. Not at all. Every time I see the funeral, I change it. And you know, I... I digest news and I am sick and tired of people. Oh my God, love the queen. The queen. Bro, I, I care more about Queen B than the Queen of England. <laughs> okay? Like, no, seriously though, Britain represents colonization to the fullest. That's a big representation of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And being a person of color, being from the Caribbean, understanding... Mm-hmm researching slavery and all that comes with that, seeing the remnants of slavery, to see a person in the highest seat, you know, going through all of those time periods, like 70 years, 70 years ago, what was happening? Mm -hmm. So she started queenship 70 years ago. So imagine civil rights struggle, lynchings, all of Uh the stuff going on. Uh and, And we hardly heard about her. Until somebody got married, Megan married somebody like, oh, we see her talking to the president. Like, what did she do for the U.S., especially people of color, besides perpetuate, like, white supremacy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now all these long news um, segments about she, she reigned, she is the epitome of class and this and that. I'm thinking, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's a disconnect. It's a big disconnect. I mean, she's a symbol of like bloodline, right? That's what royalty is. It's like a pure bloodline. Exactly. And like, who are we all to like uplift that right now? It's so weird. Yeah. Our country was founded to run away from that. I think someone said, <laughs> someone told me that who was the, the prince that married the, the black woman? Prince Harry. Prince Harry, right? He had to move out of the house because I don't think that they both could live there together. Right, right. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's cool. That's cool. So, Law and Lady the Queen, come on, man. 
Like,、mm-hmm. I'm not going to celebrate the life of someone who really didn't care about anyone but the perpetuation of the purity in her mind of her bloodline.、Right. You know, and、right. so, like, I have little to say. Obviously, it's unfortunate when any life is lost, but to have a whole segment for days and weeks about the queen and cr- like,、mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no,、nah, that, that has nothing to do with people of color. Right. Yeah. And if you're a person that is, a, if you're a, to me, a white person that is all about that has not done the necessary work to be in the conversation of liberation in my mind, to be honest, I'll say that.、Mm-hmm. Because if you knew like colonialism, And white supremacy and overtaking of, of, of land that is not unoccupied and killing people in the way that Britain did, in the way that a lot of the other countries, not just Britain, but in, in her case, Britain did, like、mm-hmm. we would be having a conversation about she reigned with such honor and this and that. We'll be having our kids. Today, the Queen of England died. Next, immigrants are cars crossing the border. And dying and being shipped tight. There are so many other things. Inflation in this country, the economic divide is happening. There's so many other、mm-hmm. things that's happening in this country. And to, to distract us from those things. We had a governor who ha- was human trafficking this There we weekend.、Go. There we go. Martha's Vineyard. There we go. Insanity. So that's how I feel about it. Yeah, it is a distraction. It is a distraction. And I just, I, I think like, I think the US's like, infatuation with it right now is just another reminder that we got we to think about our values, what we're focused on, what we give our attention to. We're in an attention economy right now. We're giving so much attention to a woman who is a symbol for oppression in my mind. And let's not, let's not. Big time. You know, I, I, I don't know. Big time. And see, that's the thing. But the thing about it is, we are. Giving the attention where, if you're a white supremacist, where it should be. No one cares about immigrants until an immigrant is in your neighborhood, if you're a white supremacist. No one really cares about like, the, the wealth divide if you're wealthy. Like, who the hell cares about that kind of stuff? So, the attention and the distraction and all of the things are exactly is doing what it should be doing. Right, right. Totally. Ugh. Well, let's move on to talking about this episode that we recorded with Imran. And we're going to kick us off here with a segment of the show. Again, apologize for the sound, where we start talking about code switching. A simple sentence. This was like one of the first things I realized when people would say to me, Imran, don't worry if they're calling you all these names. At school, and making you feel you're brown and you're different and you're not white because, you know, we say in English, I know, I'm sure you say it as well, sticks and bones might break your bones, but names will never hurt you. And I think that sentence is, is complete and utter rubbish. It's absolutely, there's no, names do break you. Names will position you, names will scar you. And you know what? If there is a lesser of two evils, then I'd rather be beaten because you'll get over a beating. It, was still, it won't scar you for the rest of your life.、Um, we got caned. We got, hurt, we got told off and caned at school continuously. It was, comp- it was the best league to be in. Who got the cane the most? It was the thing that made us laugh. It's the things that we, we, we shared in the playground because all you ever did was annoy the teachers and you say, uh oh, I'm going to get slapped again. So you, go up, you either get the slipper or the cane or you get your, your, what do you call it, your knuckles wrapped with a ruler. And then you count up by the end of the week how many times did you get hit and how many, you know.、Um, these things didn't really 
destroy us at our core. But what did and what created a lot of work was the psychological scarring created through the semantic of people and the groups that are around you. When people would say, Imran, I can speak with you, but I can't speak with your other. I said, who are the others? It's because you're different. Well, different to what? Um, you know, the others, you know, your, 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 your creed, your kind, your, and you're sitting there thinking, what are you trying to do here? And you can see, then you can start seeing how my background slowly led to me understanding and observing this in organizations and how we then create cultural fit in organizations. We create exclusive environments. We create sameness making. We create all the terms we know, why we need, why we were trained to code switch while working, while at school, because you would continuously told, look, in front of white people, if you show too much of yourself, you will be shut down. So learn to code switch, learn to be more of an introvert, learn to play your language down. Don't be eloquent. Don't be this. Don't be that. Don't show you're better. Because you're learning that just through conditioning, through experiences. like That's what was happening. No. You know, because all the people around you were just saying, look, hey, pick your battles, as they would say. And um, and that's, I think, what led on slowly to who I became. You know, Emily, I think really that um, you've experienced more of the culture of code switching than I have. Even with me going, have been in medicine, like I just always been doing my own thing. And so mm-hmm. I have the answer for it, but I would love to hear yours about why do you think it's necessary to code switch if mm. it is at all? Oh, okay. So this has, I feel like, a lot of levels of complexity for me because because of all the intercultural work that I've done, where, you know, going into another culture and now I'm thinking on the national scale, right? Going into another culture and almost showing respect by adhering to cultural norms is a, is a form of code switching of like, okay, I'm going to wear different clothes. I'm going to use a different language. I'm going to use different body mannerisms. I'm going to, you know, learn different ways of, of using nonverbals that you like, you know, in that, that situation, you kind of code shift in and out of. And often that is, you know, for me, it's doubled with like a language. So like speaking another language helps me code shift just like a different persona slightly. So in this weird way, it's something that like I value, but then when it comes to power dynamics and a situation where like you can't excel unless you code switch. Yeah. Because when I'm going into other cultures, so I've principally spent time in, you know, the global South developing countries. So I'm coming in in a position of power. So it's already like a, it's so different than code switching, which is demanded in the U.S. workplace in particular of everyone needs to code switch towards whiteness. I'm obviously white, so I don't, I don't feel that, but I, where I do feel it and where we've had some conversations is just around being a woman and not wanting to be perceived like overly nurturing or overly directive or overly, you know, like what is, what is my, my neat little lane? And within that, there's not a, a complete sense of like, yeah, you can just bring your full self and be you and that's who we want. And so I, f- I feel it, but I feel it, I think, on a way more subtle level than my friends of color feel it. Of course. That thing that we have to switch to be seen and respected, to me, in my mind, is a form of dehumanization for me. Mm. Like, I, I don't like it that individuals, black or white, have to change who they are 
as a person in order to make it, in order to adhere to a standard that was set by someone else. Now, if you're doing something that is affecting the mission, either you have to change that action or you don't, you cannot work at that organization or that company, you know? And so like, I think that's different than code switching where I have to talk a different way. I have to like be a different person in this space in order to survive. Yeah. In order to be heard, in order to even get to a point where your voice could be valued yes. because you have to be performing in a way that's not exactly quote jarring. And that's what, I, that's what I hear from certain white clients when I bring in colleagues of color and they, you know, the clients get really honest with me and they're like, it's really distracting the way that this person talks. And like, if they don't speak in exactly like, I don't even know what what would you call like the kind of very like uh, I don't know very white way of speaking because it's not even white it's also like upper class educated like non accented you know when I think of non accents I think of like Hollywood standard accent like you know I don't even know like what is that what would you call that again it's not a white thing it's just that a white individuals have set the standard that that's right so the shorthand is saying to you yo that's you talking white. You know, and so right. That's the shorthand. It's way more complex than that, obviously. The standard for what's right has been set by white people. You know, and so when you wear dreads and you're a black guy in your locks, and you look as if like that's not a standard for what professionalism is. Mm -hmm. And so if you speak in a in a, a different dialect, or how you sound is not as comforting to the ears as as you would like. Sometimes people say. Yo, you can't speak like that or that's uncomfortable for me. It always comes back to make me comfortable so that I can accept you in this space. Not right. appreciating the differences that exist in the world and being like, you know what? I don't understand. Like me, I don't understand white people. There's a lot of mm -hmm. things that white people do that I'm like, what the fuck is that? But I can't go into that space like, yo, you're doing some really white shit right now. That's annoying. <laughs> That's honestly like. Hopefully, you can say that to me sometime. <laughs> I do, I do, I do, and I will. Those moments are important for me to know that uh, <laughs> what I'm doing is not necessarily, yeah, it's just cultural. Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I feel like I've mentioned it on the show before, but it comes back to that question of like, whose comfort are we prioritizing? Because I, I see a lot of like, you know, you need to speak in a way that is more professional. That's that's how it's coded, right? That's the like undertone. You need to speak in a way that's more professional, which means, you know, sometimes it means more formal, but also using less expressions and uh, less expressiveness. Yeah. And it's basically saying, you know, in this moment you're speaking that way, you're comfortable, but I'm not. But I'm able to use this word called professionalism, yeah. which gets to quote, rein you in and say my comfort and my ability to listen to you is being affected by the way that you're speaking. So can you change that so I can listen to you? <laughs> the word professionalism has a lot going on. <laughs> Sorry, this is actually like really playing out in my current work dynamic right now. So it's very top of mind. Yeah. I don't know because we had a question in our, we had a DEI thing recently that I was involved in. And they asked, when do you feel most seen? And mm -hmm. my answer was, I don't know, because I don't really care about being seen. I need to be felt. Hmm. And I, I don't care. 
Like, so me being uncomfortable has never really been a problem for me because I'm a mm. do, I do what I do. And I guess I have a slight form of autism in that aspect because like social cues are hard for me. Mm. Like I just move. And, and, and if you don't like it and you haven't told me, I a lot of times can't pick it up from people that I don't have a relationship with. Right. Yeah. That you don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know you. So you being uncomfortable or you seeing me is not priority to me. However, when I speak, when I come into a room, when I interact with someone else, what's most important to me is how you felt. And if I made you feel uncomfortable, knowing that I could have made you feel comfortable or I did whatever I could to make you feel comfortable and you feel uncomfortable, a lot of times I don't care and I sleep well at night knowing that I did my best and that's your issue, not mine. But if I made you feel uncomfortable for something I did, like I do want to address that. So if a if a white person came to me and said, hey, Courtney, you made me feel uncomfortable by cursing so much, I would take that to heart like, damn, you know what? I apologize. Sincerely, I apologize. You know, maybe I could have, mm-hmm. have used less fucks over here or pull back on the, 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 the shit over here. Like, I really could have pulled back if that's making you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But if you're saying it in a way that's judging me, I'll probably give you some more fucks because, like, I can't care about your desire. Right to want to be comforted when the people and the individuals that I'm fighting for and the mission that I'm fighting for, people are dying daily, you know? And yeah. so like, that's where I, it always comes back for me to what's best for this mission and this game that I'm in right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. My gosh. So I have like, gosh, it's so the identity, <laughs> identity questions are so interesting to try to tease out because I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm like, Oh wow. I'm so different than that. <laughs> Like, I really, I care. I care what people think, you know? And it's, you know, it's hard to tease out. Obviously, you're black. I'm white. I'm black? You are. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. 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 You are. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm allegedly white. I'd give myself more of like a pink undertone (laughs) with, I don't know, a beige coat on top. Yes. But you're a man and I'm a woman. And this is a, this is a big difference. And I want to like, tell a story in a way that will work for everyone. So this is what's coming up. <laughs> I knew you wanted to tell that story. Get to it, man. You this kept is what's teasing coming us. Up for me. Should we give the whole context? I don't know. Hey, you, you the storyteller. You got 100% agency in that. Okay. So as our listeners may hopefully know, we had a, an amazing interview with Nicole Hannah-Jones back in June. I think we released it in July 2020. The creator of the 1619 Project, was, which was a huge get for us. And she was an incredible person to interact with. My goodness. It was so fun. She's so sharp. And as a part of our like promo part of this, she was gracious enough to say, yeah, take, you know, you can use some video clips. Just let us know what they are first. Or really her assistant said that. So I said, Courtney, great. You're good at getting video clips. Get us some video clips. And and he was like, great. I got some video clips. Here are three of them. Give these to her assistant. So I didn't look at them. I just forwarded them along. And then the episode comes out and the video clips come out on our, our social media. And the first video clip, you know, it's what, like a 30 second or something. The first video clip that Courtney posted was Courtney talking. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Nicole Hannah-Jones is a big deal. We need to center her. We can't have 
us talking. It has to be her talking. And I was having a pretty like strong reaction to this just because, you know, this revolved around my high school and community. And I had lots of reasons that I thought I was having a strong reaction. So I called up Courtney. It's like, Courtney, what the hell is going on? (laughs) 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 And, you know, kind of laid out and and I was literally like, okay, tell me, like, talk, talk me through what you're, you're thinking and like, why would you do that? (laughs) And we had other clips of her talking, but he also had a clip of me talking. And I said, do not release the clip of me talking. Do not release the clip of me talking. And this phone call was You know, first of all, Courtney had his own rationale in terms of like, you know, that episode was made by the three of us. We all had contributions. We all had important perspectives that mixed together to create a really strong episode. And I really appreciate that. But as the conversation kind of went on, I felt increasingly like my voice needs to be minimized. My voice needs to be quieted. I don't want to have a bold presence. I don't want to piss people off. I don't want to offend people. And what Courtney was starting to say to me was, when, and Courtney, we haven't even spoken about this since, when I got off the phone with you, maybe I sent you a text. Courtney started to say to me, like, we're going to piss people off. You have to be bold. You have to, you know, put your stake in the ground and speak your voice and let your voice be heard. And it's going to land with some people. It's not going to land with other people. Don't worry so much about what people are going to think. And when I got off the phone, I was like, I have never had that pep talk before as a woman. I have only heard from people, be nice, keep your voice quiet, you know, have an opinion, but code it in these different layers of things. And it's been subtle. I haven't had like someone tell me that directly, but I definitely haven't had someone, especially a man, say to me, like, be bold, forget what those people are thinking about. And it was like a real like, oh, my gosh, like, I feel like it was a moment of realizing how I had been code shifting probably my whole life, you know, to to fit into this this box that was more comfortable and nicely made and uh, gender normative. And yeah, it was a really meaningful moment for me. I, yo, I appreciate you. Like you said, that Nicole Hattie-Jones episode was amazing. It was, for me, it, it, it like, she's a, a competitor in a good way. It's an intellectual competitor. And I, and I value those more than money because it's like those conversations, it, like it feeds my soul. And so that conversation fed my soul. And to see you on the call with me talking to Nicole Hattie-Jones, that meant something that was turned the corner in our relationship. Like, Yo, Emily is experiencing mm-hmm. this walk with me and we're talking to a person who does that for a living and I'm doing it with a white woman. And so like mm-hmm. her voice was powerful, but so was yours. And so the three clips that I had, like it was just happened to be I post myself not like I'm trying to I wasn't trying to outshine her like I told you. It was going to be I think it was going to be either her or myself and you to end it because we need and I did that in the thing like Black people, 100% should be driving the conversation on inequity because we have been the main recipients of inequity in this country. However, mm-hmm. white people should be in the conversation as well because they themselves are not free, whether they, like, especially a white woman, they're not free in the way that the country was set up and how we live in this country. And so even that clip was a timeline in my mind because there's always a reason, to me anyway, of why I do what I do. 
from how I dress, mm-hmm. how I wear my hair, how what I smile at, what I laugh at, anything that like how I post. Times when I don't post a lot, there's a lot of my mind. Times I post a lot, then I don't. There's also a lot of my mind and just a different thing. So when I posted that in that order, it was saying that we're doing this this week, and Emily is 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 bookmarking that because at the end of the day. If every black person in this country stood up and every white person was against us, we wouldn't get to where we need to go anyway. So I need Emily to be on that train with us. So that's mm-hmm. that's mentally what I was saying mm-hmm. by doing that mm-hmm. and not minimizing her voice. But I don't right. want to say fuck your voice either because your right. voice is powerful. And so, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's a hard thing to like... You know, we have some other episodes coming out in this season of just talking about like being a white person and in, in DEI work. And it's like as you're listening to it, I I, to, I both philosophically agree with you and I want to like hide under a rock. That's how yeah. it feels of like just the the weight of what it means to be white is just what's the emotion I'm feeling. It's crushing. It's sad. It's sad. It's crushing, you know, and like. I want to erase it by like being quieter, but that's not what is going to help, you know, but listening helps. Listening does help just by the nature of you being on this show with me. You are not hidden anymore. If when people see this video and see like, oh shit, that's a black man and a white woman right there, humanize whether we want to admit it or not is is a different thing, whether you like us. So now people start to have an opinions because Mm -hmm. if no one has an opinion about you, you're not significant. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's just the honest truth. And so without any publicist, without any true like way to push marketing besides social media to push us out there, we are here right now having some kind of thing in Boulder and Colorado and, and other places in the country just because of the optics. We're talking mm-hmm. about these kind of topics with this black man and this white woman. Oh, shit. Let me hear what they're talking about. Because if we were both white, mm-hmm. say the same thing. Come on, bro. It will be like, oh, it's cool. Next, another pe- another person talking about DI. Next. <laughs> Honestly, so when we start yeah. talking in, in groups and like out in the world with humanized, oh, it's going to be even stronger because mm-hmm. we represent what DEI should be without even starting a conversation. Mm-hmm. Two, margin- two marginalized groups, a black man and a woman. And then the complexity of having a white woman. So it's like she's on the periphery, double dutch, like she she's just right there. <laughs> what am I doing? You know what I mean? But you're still not free. And I'm all the way over here in oppression, like looking like, yo, Emily, what's good? You, we doing this? <laughs> you know? So it's a great, it's a great dynamic. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I hope, I hope there's some people out there that have listened to this. I know there are at least a couple that have listened to our, our show all the way through because it's evolved so much since. Ooh. Of I guess the election of of 2020 is when oh, we started, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, we've had quite a road. I feel like the even more so. Like now, our now that we're like really comfortable with each other and know each other, our differences are more pronounced in certain ways. Like we're able to kind of be in the same space and be okay with our differences. You know, we've established like common values, common. Things, but we we definitely see and experience things things definitely. But yeah, man. Okay, we got to wrap up again. Sorry about the sound on Imran's episode. We're trying to to clean that up. Um, and please share that episode, especially with people who are, you know, high up in business. I think that what he has to say about the wisdom of 
having someone around who has the intelligence and the the aptitude to create community is just really stuck with me. Yeah. And it's really what the next iteration of, of business needs in a profound way. I love it. So he has a lot to say. Hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Come and join us on Patreon. We have exclusive content over there. You can support our work for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar. That's like that's like having like a non-dairy substitute in your <laughs> latte. It's not even buying us a coffee every month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have a cup of coffee right. with us. Any final thoughts, words? No, I just really appreciate the honesty, the rawness, the vulnerability that we can put out there. And hopefully it resonates with some people. And if it doesn't, let's have a conversation about that. You know, hit us up and we'll try to see what we can do. And we go from there to humanize family. We love y'all. See y'all soon. Or you'll be here for my soon. (laughs) Like love. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.